Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Legendarium Green Team. I'm the host, Chesky, and today I have with me The Solution. Hey, everybody. And Eridandus. Hey, guys. And today we are talking about the sixth book in the Cradle series by Will White, Underlord. Now, we've been ghosting through these books pretty fast, and Era, I know you did not like the fifth book, Ghostwater, as much. Did you like this book again? Did it bring your expectations back up to the top? This is my favorite book. You heard it there. For favorite book so far. Solution, how about you? Is this your favorite book as well? No, no. I liked Ghostwater for all the reasons Era didn't. And that's that's actually my second favorite. My my, my favorite is actually um Wintersteel, which we'll cover last. Yeah, well don't don't spoil Right, and I won't spoil here. nothing. That's all I'll say. Okay. I also really like this uh, book. Can, can we can, can we hmm? stop here for a second? Because uh sure. I thought there was a really interesting point that happened to me in real life that I think uh kind of help explain the difference between Solution and I on these books. Okay. Um, I was telling you guys off, um, off screen that I was watching Hunter x Hunter with my son. And in one of the arcs, like you spend, I don't know, good half the series where all you do is train. Like literally all you see on screen are the kids training over and over and over again. You don't do anything yeah. besides see them training. My son loved those portions. But then there's other stuff where people are talking and interacting and stuff's going on. Those were my favorite part. Yeah. He didn't care for those so much. So anyways, just, I thought that was a good context. Yeah. You heard it here. I'm uh, just like Eris' son. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We heard it here. And that is good context. That is good context because truthfully, the fifth book really was just a lot of training and I'm locked in a room and I can't do much. So there's parts that uh, some people like more than other people. And, you know, there's no shame. No shame in liking what you like or dislike. So, of course. I thought I, wa I wanted to kind of talk briefly just about the progression chart we know so far in the okay. series. Let's hit it. So, as we know, we start at copper and then you move to iron, jade, low gold, high gold, true gold, underlord, overlord. Archlord, and you can start becoming a sage kind of after the um, in the Overlord slash Archlord spot. We don't really have a clear understanding exactly of what that entails being a sage yet, but yeah, somewhere in a, there, that's a Rafo. But we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, then after that, there is the Herald, a and then the next tier up would be Monarch, mm -hmm. and then because of Space the Cop, Space Doctor, excuse me, that's we know right. that there are Titans, and that yes. Titans are kind of graded on a one star to five star i would assume scale i don't know maybe they go up to 12 stars or something right. weird, we but... don't we don't know because this is the first mention in the series that we get outside of monarch and inside cradle like what a different tier would be so we get the titan and it's classified that this i don't want to call her a grunt or whatever soldier she is she's a one star now could that be something that's on the higher end of the scale or do they start at one star and then they work their way up i'm not really sure that's something that we don't know yet, but that is something to speculate on. And I think it's pretty cool that we we finally have an advancement stage outside of Cradle. Yeah. Well, and what we don't what we don't know either is uh, is Titan equivalent to greater than less than Monarch. We don't know that. Yeah. That we don't. We don't know. That's true. We do know potentially people can leave Cradle before their Monarch, and most do actually. That around the Arc Lord and Herald stages, they can start leading Cradle or leaving Cradle. So, like you said, maybe Titan is somebody who's actually below Monarch, but is just classified outside the cradle system. 
and is a more universal term. All right. Now, here's a question about the uh, the system that we have working, at least on Cradle for you guys. What, I mean, I like that we started with kind of the, the metals system. I think that's a fairly common way to classify things, you know, mm-hmm. copper, iron, jade, silver, gold, and obviously no silver in this one. But then we've started moving into, you know, underlords, uh, the Lord kind of category, then the Herald kind of category, Monarch category. Do you feel like that was was a good choice? Do you think you would have liked it a little better or worse if it had kept with like the the gemstone theme? You know, you got mm-hmm. jade, silver, gold, crystal, like diamond, platinum. I mean, what's your thoughts? Would that you like way you went with it? And then you kind of started separating, you know, you got your gold is three groups and your lord is three groups, and presumably right. your herald will be three groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's your thoughts on it, you guys? I do have a thought, but uh, it's going to bring in some other books. So I want to see what Era has the fir- has first to say, and then I'll talk about some other books and their classification systems. Okay. Well, it seems like a hat. he has um, mirrored systems. So, for example, near the high end of what you can reach physically is low, mid- low gold, high gold, true gold. <laughs> and then you start off at the lowest end on the next level, Underlord, Overlord, Archlord. That's kind of like a mirror. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like that. So, so it seems like the, uh, on the physical end, you start off like one, uh, jumping up one, one level to the next, and then you have this last level, which is three levels to max out on. Mm-hmm. Whereas then you get to the higher end, you have to get through these three levels. You have to be three Lord. You then go on to single steps beyond that. That's what it seems to me. So it seems to be like a, a kind of like a mirror of each other mm-hmm. in terms of the classification. I didn't really think much of it um, until I believe it was maybe a podcast or two ago where you guys had first mentioned that um, going beyond gold involves something more than advancing your madra or your physical abilities. It requires something else. So that to me kind of like slotted into place. It at least made it some sense. Regardless of what he classified it beyond that, if he wants to do metals for the physical end and then another classification for beyond that, here he's using uh, heralded titles. That's so, Sol? Yeah, no, I think uh, I'm on a similar page where I think of them as more the foundation levels, like those three, the um, copper, iron, jade, and then you do that last four to the river that urine calls it, where you get the gold is the three, and then you finish with the bodily transformation as far as what you're kind of advancing, and then you go into the spiritual. You got another three. Um, I do want to compare it to another system that I like in the Arcane Ascension series. It's a very popular book, similar to Cradle, um, Progression Fantasy. What they do is they're using gemstones and their colors. So they're starting out at Quartz, where it's nice and clear. Then you're bleeding into the Carnelian, the red. Then I think you're going to citrine i want to say so you go to yellow and then you get to the the uh green emerald with blue is a myth so like sapphire is just a myth of a level so they have these different tiers so it's nice to see something that's will white has his divided in sections of three so there's technically three 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 um that's more of a spectrum of a rainbow on the arcane ascension series which is pretty cool so i think it's a different take i actually prefer um andrew rose arcane ascension series better but his is more math defined, where every tier up is, I believe, 12 times the mana it takes than the tier before. So it's easy to quantify, and they're good, they get into that. But that's more of a lit RPG than this is a progression fantasy. Right. 
No, that's fair. And I don't I don't have any particular issue with it. I just thought it was interesting that we started with the the medals and then we moved over. And I think like you guys have said, it's definitely about that the bodily progression till gold and then past the bodily progression is um just the titles more heralds, lord, sage, um, so on and so forth. And the names so, are cool. I will say that. I love the title names like Herald, Monarch, pretty cool. And uh, if I did have a problem with them, I would let it slide just because of those titles. They're really cool. All right. So what's the uh, what's the next one to get introduced? You know, we've got Sage, Herald, Monarch. What's your first prediction? What's the next title? Oh, for like outside the well, crater. We, got, for... mm, we know we know there's Titan, right? So yeah. why yeah. not Cyclops, Etten, Giant? <laughs> I'm thinking Titan. like <laughs> okay, Etten. I like Etten. Oh. That's a good one. Etten. I was thinking like a Behemoth. Or um, oh, like Leviathan, or something that's like okay. I know that those are worm references. Now you're just pulling the worm references. Yeah, I, I thought about it afterwards. It's like no, but more of just things that are like he said, like mythically, uh, mythical creatures and mythical beings that are just like top tier. I'm thinking that something like from there that he pulls. Okay, that's yeah, that's great, that's great. And then uh, I also like that uh, they explained it in the book a little bit. The the first kind of section, the J, the medals are. You know, mastering yourself, mm-hmm. and now the next set of advancements from Underlord on is mastering the world around you and connecting yourself to the world around you. So I thought that was kind of a nice, a little thing there. So, um, I can't, can I say I got, I got it wrong because I think I, I called it was it last book that the monarch would have some type of tie to the world and that would separate it from the people who left. Mm. Apparently, that's not the case. <laughs> so it's okay. We like your guesses. Uh, yeah. I, and we uh, did mark down some of them for later too. So we'll we'll bring up more times uh, that you guessed incorrectly because that's one of our favorite things. So that's one of everybody's Great. favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> so so we're gonna so so we're gonna have a two hour podcast. Is, is that what we're having? Oh no, we won't uh, fight back. We're just gonna say you're wrong, and then you can talk, and we'll <laughs> just let it go. Yeah. So, uh, what were some of you guys' favorite scenes or favorite kind of experiences in this book? Um, Solution, do you want to go first? Oh boy. Okay. So one of my favorite, and I see somebody else also put it here, I believe, is surprising Ethan with Dross. Because this was a moment he did not think was like a big deal. And Ethan was very nonchalant. He was like, oh yeah, I know about Dross, your mind spirit. And then he realized how advanced Dross is and how close to a presence. Like not completely, but it's on its way. Then he starts going through this entire thing and he starts cackling like a madman with Dross. And I think that, what is the line? Our uprising will be swift and, like, what is it, something like that? <laughs> it's hilarious. It's a great moment. It's really fun. Yeah, I, I definitely put that down, because that's, like, the first time you ever see Ethan, who's, you know, he has that bloodline, so he sees everything around him. He's never <laughs> surprised. He knows what's coming before you even know it's coming. And, you know, L- Lyndon just is like, well, here's Dross. And he's like, what? <laughs> he just, like... You can see, like, the air is, like, clicking in his brain. Like, this is yeah. not what I was expecting. And He's then, a planner. Uh, we know that. And uh, he yeah. did not plan that. Eric, what about you? What, what are some of your favorites from this book? Um, the, the, there's two that come to mind. So one of the things I do like at what Will White does is um, he's um, pretty good at, about getting meta, where the person will act in character, but he'll do or say something that's clearly a pop culture reference. And here, I think there's one scene where, like, you know, he to soul's point he's cackling and then he rubs his hands together and goes yes yes like that so <laughs> yeah i thought that was uh pretty funny so that that was uh 
a good moment. And then the other, the other part I liked um, was the, um, the way and method and the, kind of the whole underlying theme of what it takes to advance to Underlord. That was actually probably my favorite part of the book. Good. Yeah. I'm no, glad that was good. You'd like that. Yeah. I think we'll definitely talk about that um, in just a minute. Um, okay. But I just wanted to say another couple favorite scenes, of course. Um, of course, I love that Ethan sets them up right next to where, of course, uh, to rephrase it for everyone, the Black Flame Empire has been invited to participate with the the empire that owns them. And they basically get a free training session. They go to this place. It's through a portal. They t- they train. They get rewards. They leave. Then they all, you know, whoever advances, advances. And Ethan has them sitting right at the base of where the portal is going to show up at. And he's like, all right, everybody, just get ready and start running. And then the portal appears. And they're like the first ones in it. And they're like, all right, everybody, like, let's separate and let's loot everything. It just reminded me of, like, playing games. Because that's what you do in a game. You... You go in and you go one section and you take everything that's not nailed down. And then you move to the <laughs> next section and you take everything that's not nailed down. Yeah. And then, you know, they converge and then they, they start working and cultivating and training. And uh, But just that that was, I like that scene that they kind of got the jump on everybody, of course. Yeah, well, that's what this game is tailored for, like Era mentions, for people who like video games and animes. And these are the kinds of people that they start a video game, they see a map. Okay, cool. I go in one direction. And you're like, okay, this is going to lead me to a cutscene. I better stop. I got to go to the other sides of the map, make sure I don't lose anything. I want to loot everything I can, and then I'm going to continue with the game. I think that's that's uh, for these types of people. I know that's kind of a popular thing to do. I do it. I don't think I'm in the minority, I don't think. But I know that's a very popular way of playing. And I feel like I this it. is shown here. I, I agree. And I also want to say, in terms of like a literary point in the book, so one of the things I liked about Underlord contrasted with the Ghostwater, in this book, they were told, you're going to go to X location. You're going to be given this much time to train. You're going to be competing with other people. These are the goals you have. Good luck. So, and then once they were given that goal, the characters were able to act with agency within that framework. And then they made choices knowing about the end goal in mind, aside from just trying to survive or happening upon um, this random cache of materials. They knew they were going to an area where they could get some power and they acted accordingly. So I like the setup of Underlord much better than I did the setup for Ghostwater. Okay. Great. What did you guys feel about uh, the Sage, uh, the Sage, the Lady of Owls, Mercy's aunt, who kept watching Linden and then tweaking everything to be a disadvantage of him you know like hey the sunshine empire you know if you go kill this black flame <laughs> dude you know rewards could be yours i mean i know that it's you know we see it kind of as a good thing it helps temper linden and helps kind mm-hmm. of gives him that person to fight against to become stronger but what do you guys feel about that was well written well played not i liked it because um um she made it very clear, it, like when you kind of saw from her point of view, what she wanted to do was to rip his heart out. Like, that's what she wanted to do. But then she was able to control and discipline herself and think it through logically. And she's like, the better thing to do would be to see whether this kid who I recognize has potential, whether he 
can be used to help replace what he caused us to lose, which in that in that case was a Kura Harmony, right? Mm-hmm. So um, she has no reason to be gentle or nice with him, but she sees a potential for to, to make him into something useful for him for her. So she gets to observe it and gets to push the buttons in such a way that she gets to see whether Lyndon can be uh, something of benefit to her. So I thought even though she actively doesn't like him, at least to start the book, in my opinion, I think she kind of softens on him a little bit towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, she's acting logically within the constraints of the world. Yeah, yeah totally she's, she's rational, uh, develops her character. Like you said, she softens up towards him. This She's replacing Lyndon now, with Har- or replacing Harmony with Lyndon, because she knows she needs people. And we see that out, spoilers for the end of the book, Lyndon is chosen for the Akura team for the Uncrowned Tournament, because she thinks... Oh, oh uh, I spoiled it, sorry. I'm but, kidding. But, uh, yeah, this is a big deal, because the Akura team is the prime team. This is the mega team, and then you've got the, those outlying teams that are the Black Flame Empire and whatever other teams they have inside the Akura faction, so... Pretty, yeah. pretty interesting uh, result there. No, I definitely, I definitely agree with you guys that it's it's a win-win for her either way. Either she mm-hmm. gets to take vengeance on Lyndon for killing, you know, Harmony, or she gets to a fighter who is hopefully more obedient and like less prideful <laughs> than Harmony was because Harmony was kind of a he was pretty set in his ways. But yeah, I think during the book. She, oh, sorry, what? No, go ahead. Uh, I was to say because there's two other points I want to come back. Yeah, to. I think she learns in the middle-ish of the book that you know north strider was there mm-hmm. you know and that harmony really messed his own way up out of the thing that Lyndon did offer and try to like to help harmony but harmony refused it because of his pride and so while i don't think that would obviously completely stifle her feelings i think it definitely helps soften her a little bit to Lyndon to being like okay you know he didn't go in there and maliciously just like kill harmony or like trick harmony you know, right. he, he fought him to a standstill, which earned her respect, and then he tried to help him, but was refused, so. I want, so, sorry to interrupt you, because mm-hmm. I was going to say, it, it. I think there's a good compare and contrast between the Sage and the Sky Nazi, Narugwe, mm-hmm. who <laughs> they both decided to end up using uh, Linden for, quote, their benefit, um, but they come from different places. So the reason I keep on calling the guy Sky Nazi is because he's reacting and responding emotionally and through a set of preconceptions and stereotypes. That's how he's acting every step of the way, and you can understand his conduct in through that lens. Whereas the sage, as we just discussed, she does have her prejudices, or excuse me, she does have her preconceived notions, she does have her emotions, but she's able to take it, compartmentalize it, put it away, and then think and act rationally. So I think that's, there's a good compare and contrast between the two. And the other point that I want to uh, uh, bring up that I want to come back to, um, if we recall, Akura Harmony was unable to advance to Underlord. He was given a clue as to how to advance. Yeah. Um, I'll be curious as to what you guys think, what would have been Akura Harmony's realization when we get we, to We can we get into it now. Yeah, want. yeah. Let's, get let's, into let's, it uh, okay. let's start talking about it. So to advance... Uh, we'll just set the stage. To advance from a true gold into an underlord position, you have to make a realization about yourself, a true 
realization about yourself, basically why you perform the martial arts, why you continue practicing day in and day out, right? What's your, what's your, like your true motivation? So uh, let's talk about Um, the three first, our three main, I think, and then we can talk about harmony and others, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have something to say about harmony and we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I want to just give some examples of some. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about Lyndon first. Lyndon Mm -hmm. uh, is working and he's really struggling with this for a while. Um, Mercy actually helps him figure it out. And his ideal is that he practices the martial arts, which we'll just term magic using, of course, you know, um, so that he is not worthless because that's, and yes, yes, era, he is not worthless. And that's, (laughs) that's true. But when you look at his past, you know, he's always been made to feel worthless. He's the unsold. That's right. He was unsold. He had no ability, no, you know, nothing because of that. And now he is, you know, that's why he practices is to prove to himself. Mm -hmm. Yaren, um, her ideal is that she practices the martial arts so that she doesn't lose anybody else in her life. Um, Because of her blood shadow, she dealt with a lot of death and everyone around her would die at a young age. Um, when she was young, I mean, that happened. And so her goal is to be able to control herself, to control her blood shadow, to not kill or harm other people. Any, any thoughts? Am I missing anything there, you guys? No? No, pretty good. Okay. okay. And Mercy's is one of the, the more interesting ones, I kind of feel like. And hers, which she refuses to admit until the very end, is that her ideal, she practices the, the martial arts to make her mother proud. So... Let's talk about this. These ideals, uh, you know, are they are who they are at this moment. Yeah. This ideal does not mean you are locked into this kind of perception or this feeling forever. Yeah, it's more of a self-acceptance or um, like a mindfulness approach where you're recognizing your current emotional state and how you view the world in a more general view. Not that you're going to be, like you said, that way forever, but that's who you are now. Yeah, kind of uh, your weakness, your mental weakness yeah. almost. Eric, mm-hmm. what, do, what do you think about the advancement ideal situation? Yeah, this is my favorite part of the book is that because it, it does have this, this level three uh, thing to it where, I mean, look, in life, if you want to get beyond a certain point, if you want to get beyond, um, you know, wherever it is at some point, like if you're going to, if you want to get beyond wherever it is, whether it's high school or college or graduate school, at some point you're going to have to push yourself beyond your, your limits and you're going to have to uh, say, hey, look, you know, um, you have to come, come to a realization of what matters to me. Do I really want to do this? Do I want to make the sacrifices and kind of go on and push through it? I know I certainly had to, uh, to, to become what I did in my profession and I'm sure everybody else has to go through that realization. Or if they don't, they're going to end up limiting themselves. So I like that kind of, there's a real world kind of parallel here uh, to that. And whether people do it unconsciously or not, I think that does happen. So that's kind of like what I think generally. And as it applies here, I thought it was kind of funny that it's something that, that Will White makes the point that all the main characters were embarrassed to kind of, I'm ashamed to realize that this is uh, what, kind of like who I am. And you know what? And actually, I kind of, I like that framing. Yeah, this is something I don't like about myself, and I'm going to work on it going forward. So I like that. Also. Yeah, it definitely is. I would think that at this point, 
you know, all we've seen so far, like you said, are people who have been mostly kind of ashamed of their own thoughts. Um, but I think at the same time, there's really, you know, from an objective point of view, there's there's nothing to be ashamed of in those things. You know what I mean? Linda not wanting to be worthless. That's I, I don't think that's something to be ashamed of. Now, he might be, of course, because he wants to be strong and he wants to be tough. And I just I don't think if you look at them kind of uh, just out of line and out of order, you, you pull out those reasons. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to be really ashamed of. It's just your wants and your desires. But yeah, that's and I think. But I think this is my spoiler slash non-spoiler because I don't know. My <laughs> prediction is that be working on this ideal, you know, changing your ideal or kind of solving your own issue is mm-hmm. going to be what pushes you to overlord. So for Lyndon, it would be like truly accepting that he is not worthless, or Lyndon or Mercy maybe realizing that. No, I want to practice the martial arts for myself, you know, not to make my mother proud kind of a thing. I don't know. I guess yeah, we'll see. A, that's a raffle, so I can't comment too much on that. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and if we're going to do this, I'm going to say, I'm going to take what you said, a trust me, and I'm uh-huh. going to say um, that, that that realization you get underlord, if there's some deepening understanding of it or some deepening um, meaning to it, I think that's what gets you to sage. Okay, I like it. So, I'm, so I, I don't. I raffle, okay. right? Yeah. Well, we'll we can do sage hints and stuff like that. But actually, no, we're just gonna raffle that. I want to do it. I want to yeah. get back to um, what we're well, talking about. Let's talk about harmonies, right? Well, f- right before that, okay. Lyndon and all them f- not feeling like shameful. These are still kids. They're still. I think Lyndon is now eighteen. I believe at this time, or no, he actually might still be seven. He might be seventeen or so. He's like an eighteen-year-old kid. And I feel like kids in high school to me would be like i don't know maybe they would feel shameful about that stuff what do you think about that i have again i have zero problem this is actually again this is one of my favorite parts of the book not only that uh point that's a realization about a weakness theirs but that b to your point soul that given their age and their experiences that it would be something they would be ashamed about even if as we all agree it's not something that they really should be ashamed about. So I think that whole, this entire setup, everything that we've just discussed, that I like the way it was framed. I like the way kind of uh, Will implemented it. That was, it was my favorite. Again, I, I hate to harp on it, but the, all of it was well done, including the, the little emotional arcs and journey character took. And that even that inherent, that each one had mentioned that they were ashamed. So I think that's an important thing given their their ages and experience yeah no i i agree with you i think i think we're all on the same page of how we feel about it that we like it and that um, i like that point that you just brought up though uh, soul in there about that um one last thing i want to say and then we'll talk about uh harmony and perhaps ethan right so um the one last thing oh what was i even gonna say oh i was gonna say I think one of the reasons why they mentioned earlier in the books that if you don't hit Underlord by a certain stage, you'll almost never hit Underlord, right? right? And I would say that that is because after you've reached a certain age, you know, usually in your 30s to 40s or, you know, around there, you become kind of set in your ways and it's really tough for you to look at your own weaknesses. I mean, I I can't speak for everyone, but uh, I know for myself, looking at your own weaknesses is not a fun thing to do. So, um, no. Let's talk about harmony, though. What, what would harmony's ideal be? We we don't see a whole lot of him. Okay, here's but... here's what we know about harmony. Okay, 
we know he comes from this super awesome family, right? And Mercy is like, yeah, we got tutors. We got all these awesome things that you guys need that I don't really need because I can just go to my mom and become Underlord. So we know Akura Harmony had all this stuff because he replaced Mercy as the genius prodigy of the family. So he goes to Ghostwater. He's literally just channeling his um, his energy. He's just kind of doing his thing, telling everybody to be quiet, killing people left and right. And then he finally gets his ghost water drop, and he goes to this tree of knowledge, this Yggdrasil, and is like, hey, how do I get to Underlord? Because he knows how to get to Underlord. He knows it's something that's about him. And he asks this tree, he's like, how do I become an Underlord? As if this tree knows everything inside of Harmony. <laughs> I feel like it was a stupid question. That's why I, th- I think Harmony is an idiot, not just a jerk. He's an idiot. That's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Now, Arrow, you can uh, put me down because I feel like when I call anybody an idiot, I feel like maybe, maybe he's got some comeback. Do you have anything as far as Harmony being smart? I like what you had to say. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, personal like, uh, victory. <laughs> I, I, I like what you had to say. Look, I mean, look, the uh, Harmony. Um, so if we look back at Ghostwater and what I said back then, um, I said that Harm- Harmony is basically the epitome of what you would expect people to act in this world and it might make for a right world. All I'm going to pay attention to is advancing myself, and if you don't personally help me, you are worthless and you will die. And that was brought up at the beginning, and then that's happened to him at the end, because Mr. Rider is essentially a grown-up version of uh, Harmony in terms of his conduct. And he let Harmony die because Harmony provided no benefit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was literally, they were a mirror image to each other uh, in terms of their conduct. Now, right. what I think is Harmony's, what do I think Harmony's thing would have been? I think it would have been, um, I don't like being a loser, or um, I do this out of rock. I do this out of vanity, you know? Those, to me, those would be my, my two guesses for, for Definitely sounds right. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, maybe because I'm the best and I have to show everybody I'm the best or something like that. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. His is definitely um, pride-related. I think that's about as far as we can really hazard without knowing more about him. But, uh, you know, I just thought of this. You know, what would... Uh, we see Ethan has been an Underlord for a while, mm-hmm. and now we don't really know anything about Ethan, so... If you can't think of anything, that's fine. But what would uh, what would Ethan's ideal have been? Why why does he practice the martial arts? It's got to be. I know he loves his plans and he's looking towards the future. It's got to be something like I practice for all of Cradle, or I practice for my uh, Aurelius line, or something like that. My ancestors, something like that. I don't know. Okay, Eric, do you have any thoughts? So that to me is what I think Ethan's thing is. I don't like being ignorant. I don't like not knowing or Maybe that's something like I don't like in control. I don't like, you know, I like having control of the positive version of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess maybe, I guess this is a raffo, but since we're on Ethan, I'm, I'm going to bring this up again because now we're at the stage where everybody's an underlord. Like, what in the world is holding Ethan back aside from just his own decision to not go up? Go I up think. Level? I mean, this, this We can now have this discussion, and I think I can handle that without spoiling anything. And I think Chesky can as well. Mm-hmm. What do we think Ethan is doing right now? Do we think he's sandbagging? Do we think he's actually out of block? What do you think, Eric? And then we can get into what, what we think. Well, I think there's two things 
one-on-one. I think he has, unless there's some other way to, to go beyond the floor that requires spiritual mm-hmm. um, then maybe there's that. But ultimately, I think he, he said it back in Blackland, he's waiting for some he's waiting for some people to keep on advancing with. And so right. I think he's just waiting for, he, he's found these other people to catch up. So I think that's part one. Um, do I think he's stronger than, than look, he's the strongest Underlord we've seen as far as I'm right. concerned. I don't think we've seen a, an Underlord stronger. Yeah, his ranking is obviously, obviously uh, a joke Thanks. to him. He could, <laughs> yeah. he could easily be number one in the Black Fame Empire if he wanted to. Right. So, I mean, so, uh, I think he can easily advance a level. I just think he's just waiting for, for somebody else, unless there's some other block or there's something else that, that we don't know about. So that's my thoughts. Chesky, yeah. what do you yeah. think before I, uh, I jump in with something a little wild? Before you, you hot, hot take us? Yeah, I think yeah. I think Era is pretty much 100% right as well that Lin, or, sorry, Ethan has been waiting for a group of people or at least one other person to make the advancement with him because like you said, you know, everybody who advances, the pool gets smaller and smaller and it's a lonely road. And mm-hmm. I think Ethan being Ethan doesn't, you know, particularly want that. Yeah. Plus, um, I think if we remember back to his Marvel vision, it talks about Osriel saying, you know, get a group and rise up and join us without the rules so that you can, you know, fix the things that the rules can't fix because the bureaucracy is is limited and holding it back kind of way so i think that's kind of he's just been waiting for a group that he can see is as dedicated as he is and i think he will easily advance when the time comes to overlord at the very least Mm -hmm. yeah i think uh he definitely is sandbagging i think he could go at any moment um i think he's waiting for this underlord tournament this uncrowned king tournament because when we first meet him in soulsmith in the second book we know he's said he has years for something. So that's why he's trying to pick out some prodigies. And he's like, okay, look, we got a sage's, ex-sage's disciple or whatever. So we got a year and some genius. And we got this moldable dude who's got two, two twin stars, two <laughs> paths he can process. So we can do Ethan's path. And then Ethan can mold this kid into something else, some wild and crazy monster. And that's what Linden is. So I think... Ethan has been advancing his team mindset instead of just his personal thing because he's sandbagging for Overlord and he wants to get more crew to do that Overlord. And I think he did it. I think he actually got, like you said, Underlord is here. We have the Uncrowned, Corn- Uncrowned King. Sorry. The tournament is here. And we have Yurin and Ethan are on the team. And then we have Linden is on the other team still helping the Black Flame. So I feel like Ethan planned this, if we know anything, and I know that's a little weird, but I feel like he definitely is sandbagging and trying to get his whole team to Underlord. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I forgot to mention earlier that to also advance to Underlord, you have to be able to open a soul space inside yourself, right? To basically store an item without actually holding it. You know, what would you guys put in your soul space? I know it starts off really small, little, about little the size bean. of a bean. Yeah. A little soul, soul bean. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's assume you guys have a, a moderately sized soul space. You can fit, you know, one thing of any size. Okay. What would you guys put in it? In the cradle? Kindle. In you, just oh. you personally. Okay. In the real world. Oh, Kindle. Kindle. Hey, you can't Kindle. steal mine. <laughs> hey, dumb, dumb. <laughs> 
Humphrey. Yeah, we did. We did Humphrey ask him first, so we did get we to did. go. That's, that was my my mistake. My in mistake. the cradle world, I would want the only thing cool about Akura Harmony. I want his axe with that thing that like shoots an after image of red hands. Very cool. That'd be awesome. I love his axe. All right, but real world, what would you put in? Oh, mm, probably just like my wallet, so I don't have to worry about losing that or like anything like that. Like some like little bag with like my wallet, my phone, my keys, and I'll just be like, I'm never gonna lose it. Cool. I don't have to do the triple tap when I walk out the door. Be awesome. You know, that's a good one. I, you guys have taken all the really good things here. You got, you know, your Kindle for all your book reading needs. You got your keys in your wallet for all your traveling needs. You know, I don't know. I guess I would just put my laptop with it in a charger in a charger that's pretty good okay so i'll have to go with that but while we're on the soul spaces what okay can people breathe in soul space because has has linden put little blue in soul space is that a spoiler i just spoiled he has not put her in his soul space but she has gone in the closet soul space okay so can we assume that possibly closet soul spaces those void keys and the soul spaces inside Underlords and Above are similar as far as how they work and function? I, I would assume so. I have nothing to okay. believe otherwise. So can, could you fit, like, what can you fit in there? If, if you could fit a little blue, you can, you're not constrained to inanimate objects like a Kindle or a laptop. Wow. I'd have to be able to convince someone to, like, willingly go into it. <laughs> so that might be a problem. Right, hey, Doctor, live in this live in this space and just come out when I need medical attention. But like... I think the cradle world is <laughs> has some, some uses for that, though. Like, they could start hiding people, or I don't know. Like, what if you could hide urine inside your soul space and be like, boom, two-on-one now, and then, like, all of a sudden just do that? I don't know. If it, I feel like we could how, how much space do we know it holds? I mean, if it could hold an axe, I think a Kura Harmony's axe is supposed to be like as tall as Linden, right? With this, it huge grows. Blade. It grows as you grow, so it can get quite big, I believe. So could a monarch hold like an entire person in there? Just be like, hey, throw them out. What would be the point of hiding somebody if you're a monarch? You're already stronger than everybody. Well, what you if know? you wanted to like team up and like you could put them in there and then you could take them out? <laughs> I think you're 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 chasing a pipe dream there, so okay. right. nobody's we'll gonna want to go in there and just wait or come no, it does, out. When it you does do. seem scary. I'll give you that. Yeah. Definitely seems scary. Okay. Um, can I you sure can. Yeah. So uh, we've been talking about skill versus talent for a while now, uh-huh. right? And it looks like we're finally gonna get our answer next book. Uh, my, uh, I would say that right because we got. Uh, Yearn on one team and Linden on mm-hmm. another, the skill versus talent, right? I mean, and I'll say uh, one of the things I forgot to mention that, that I did like in this book is uh, Yearn pretty much uh, taking out the most powerful Underlord they were facing, pretty much like, you know, with one hand tied behind her back yep. on the basis of just, she's just better than everybody else. I mean, look, full disclosure, she's my favorite so far. I mean, because she's just... She practices all the time. She's very skilled at what she does. I, I, I like she that. She is. Yeah. So I, th- I think we're going to get a whole skill versus talent um, thing right now. Yearn versus Linden. I hope, a, my prediction is I hope they, they go against each other. And I hope, like heck, Yearn wipes the floor with Linden up one way and down the other. Just, you, know? you just want him to destroy him, huh? Well, look, so, so A, <laughs> Linden's going to have a mental block. A, because Linda's going to have a mental block. He's going to say, oh, I can't hurt Yaren. Yeah, and of course. Gonna have, like, 
And she's not going to have any of that. Yeah, so. it's going to be all apologies um, and, you know, bowing and stuff. Yeah, yeah of course. Whatever, <laughs> right. And look, even with a year of training, and I'm sure Lyndon's going to be, quote, a monster. He's going to, like, be super awesome and everything. I did, look, it it would defeat the purpose of the, of the series, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. If in one year, Lyndon can out-train, be out more skilled than year in the lifetime of training in in, in Right. I'm not spoiling. I just want to say, I think about how Linden has more of like a deadly path as far as the Black Flame. I mean, like I know Year and his swords and everything, also a very offensive path. But Black Flame at low gold, sorry, my neighbors, uh, at Black Flame low gold, Linden takes off the True Gold's arm, two advancement stages above him. Even if you want to say it's only one because it's still gold, it's still way up there. So that's something that's just just to throw out there. Lennon is very offensively capable. Yeah. I will say I like what you're thinking, though, Era. So, uh, were you guys uh, tricked? Not tricked, because tricked is the wrong word. Were you guys surprised when the sage, uh, I forget her name, Charity, Akura Charity, picks Linden for the Akura team instead of picking for the Black Flame team? Like, I kind of was thinking, oh, yeah, it'll be Ethan, Linden, and... Yaren, and then, you know, Mercy on the other team. Did it surprise you at all, or no? You saw it coming. I'll say that I was anticipating her picking somebody. I thought she was going to pick Yaren. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I was not focused on that at all. I was just like, Linden's gonna get it. He's our man. We got Yaren. We got Linden. Now we got Mercy. I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. And then I thought, okay, she doesn't pick him, and I was actually pretty sad for a second, and I just kept reading. I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. So I was, he did get me. Will got me. And I was I was too caught up in the moment to really think, wait a second, is Lyndon not going to... He's just going to sit on the sidelines and not go to the tournament? Well, all his friends go, because that would seem kind of boring. But yeah. I didn't think Will would do that, so... No worries. So, all right, I think we're getting pretty close to our time, but we have to talk about our favorite person, Serial, the space doctor. And I think, Eric, you mentioned this, that you liked the way that she was put in this book, where it was kind of the first and the last chapter. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, why, what, uh, you know, I just want to explain a little bit why you like that, that, that positioning. So, so we're, we're talking about a progression, um, progression lit. And we had already talked earlier in this podcast about, um, video games and how you advance in video games. So what you usually see is you see a cutscene right, of this is how you're going to be when you progress like through three quarters of the game or when you've done this portion of the game. So, you know, you get to see Surreal, Surreal and what's going on there and you get to kind of say, oh, wow. So Ethan, Yaren, Linden, at some point they're going to be there. That's pretty neat. I like to see them get there. And so that, at least to me, provides momentum going into the series because then when you see them and they're, they still have a long way to go or they still have some way to go before they even get to that point, that to me is a good literary device to kind of provide some excitement and some impetus going into it. And then kind of when you're ending it, you're kind of going, oh, and that part of the story is still progressing. So I kind of like that, and especially in, in a book whose whole reason for being is to show the advancement from one stage to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What uh, do you guys think? So 
Yeah, about the same. I like he said that it's mostly about like a frame of reference. You know what is eventually books down the line going to come into play. Um, and it, it makes things feel important. Like what's going on in Cradle is still affecting Howard Middle School outside of Cradle in this multiverse with, I don't know if that's the right word, but how many thousands of different planets and solar systems. And it's very interesting. Yeah. I, I also like it. I liked that this one, um, more than, not more, but in a different way than the other books, really kind of expands um, the world of Abaddon. We see the first non-judge character that we have progression type stuff for, um, the Titan. I forget her mm -hmm. name, I'm sorry. We also see the enemies of the Abaddon, the Vroshu. Vroshir. Vroshir, excuse me, who just want... They, who we don't know what they want. They want to control their own worlds. They want presences. They try yeah. to take the Titans' presence. They want their little dross. Their I don't dross. know why, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's a great military advantage to have something like that. But, yeah. you know, that makes me wonder, like, oh, what's this? I, like, just kind of opens up a lot more questions I have about it, where other questions would have been kind of shelved for now. We see other things coming into play with them, I think. But... Mm -hmm. So I like that as well. Kind of a start and an end and more questions. Okay. I'll say this about the ending. I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, I was not expecting it, so I was surprised and pleased uh, to see Orthos uh, teaming up with uh, Lyndon's sister. That was, that was nice. Come on. I was yes. like, oh, okay. I, was, I had totally forgotten about her. And then like Orthos shows up and I'm like, and then of course the way he ended, that was, I have to, that was an admittedly cool way to kind of end it. No, a dragon attacks. Yeah, dragon like advances. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, dragon advances. Yeah. Let, yeah. Can we talk about how cool Orthos is and that he left? I then knew this was going to happen and, and Orthos leaves because this is a journey for a sacred beast with his family. And he feels like his family, Linden, is leaving him. So he's going to go grab Linden's family that's way behind. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to drag you guys with me. And I feel like that's what <laughs> he's doing. Uh, Orthos wants to catch up, but. He knows he's not going to be able to compete on Linden and Yurin and now Mercy's level and just decides to make his own way, which is a cool, cool thing. He's a cool turtle. Yeah. I like him. And uh, I'm sure you noticed this, Era, because you are a good reader, but Orthos in Sacred Valley is at a, a much diminished power level, as you can see, and he even mentions it. Uh-huh. Saw that, so that kind of corroborates what I said before. That I think it's encircled by a whole like a gigantic script. Mm -hmm. Yep, you know, so I, that, yeah. that, and the one thing that I can't make it make myself figure out is how does that script get powered, right? Because that, that, that's kind of like what I have an idea. Yeah, I think it's 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 go fair ahead. to speculate now. Now's a good time. Chesky, go ahead. You can yeah. jump in first. Uh, I will speculate. I think it's because of the ring of Samasu or whatever it is that they have over the top of that over there. Samara. Samara. It's it, named actually after fun fact, the movie The Ring. He oh, named it after that that main character, Samara. So there right. you go. So, ring on the mountain. I would think it has something to do with that. Like the rune is basically like it is the mountain range or it's kind of around the mountain range. Mm -hmm. which is why the schools on the edge of the mountain range have a lot of jades, whereas when you're in the valley itself, you don't, right? So the more, it's more effective in the center, right? But then if you live on the mountain range, you can go to jade, and it's, it has to do with the Ring of Samara getting power from the sun or something. I don't know. Okay, actually, I think you just may have solved something that I had an issue with. Okay. <laughs> yes. Because 
why did urine, if, if notoriously um, Orthos can't even be gold, how did she advance to gold while still in Sacred Valley? It's because she's on the very rim, the outskirts of the script. Now, also, to Era's point, I think what's powering the script, they are powering the script. That's what's taking all of their, their levels. And they're, that is, they're the ones that are powering the script. Now, what are we doing? That I have to raffle because I don't want to spoil anything, and we will we will find out soon. Okay. Now, yeah, and um, uh, that, that, that repeat, well, wait. That's so so that and there's one one other question is mm-hmm. okay. It's suppressing the valley, right? So, what yeah. is underneath the valley? Or what is it about the people in the valley that it's suppressing? Because you at least have monarchs to face dread gods. So, what is it that's more powerful than a dread god? Oh, that is. You are making me think some things that maybe this other labyrinth that they're on top of is not just a labyrinth that's something more or, you know, more dread beasts that have been sealed away or something. That's who that is thinky. You are thinking. OK, this is my last question for you guys. Okay. Do you guys remember Elder Whisper from book one? Of course, Sacred Beast. What advancement level do you guys think he is? Because he seemed pretty powerful. Well, I think he's well above gold, but like we see with Orthos, he is now a jade, but I feel like he's at least underlord and he tempered his body to the sacred beast form that he wants to be. Did he want to be a human? No, he wanted to stay as a fox. So I feel like he went on that path. He knew going in, he always wanted to be a fox. He's now at this underlord level or above, possibly, you know, arc lord of a sacred beast. And he is uh, chilling at jade, just like we see Tim the sword sage going all the way down <laughs> from sage to being being able to be killed by jades. So I feel like Elder Whisper is probably pretty high up there, but at least underlord or above. What do you think, Sam? I think so. I think Soul's got it. I mean, um, whatever level he actually is, he's no stronger than jade when he's within the valley. But um, right, how strong he is, we know he's like incredibly old. Uh, yeah, we know he has a lot of them. So, um, which I find that very, really interesting because Orthos was what 300 before he went to Ghostwater, and he was kind of pushing the edge. He was getting old, right? True. Um, and so, so, so that makes me think that this fox has a really extended lifespan. Well, I think also Orthos's lifespan is also hindered by his Black Flame path, and that helps with like the dimension breaking down their body a little bit more. I'm not sure if that's the equivalent we should use for all sacred beasts, but I do know that even humans above Underlord live for quite a long time. Yeah. I am going to push back on both of you, just because what? I can. You're wrong. I feel like, well, okay, that's probably <laughs> true. I'm wrong <laughs> okay. more often than I'm right, but I think Elder Whisper was at a higher level, and I think he knows quite a lot more than even we would think he knows. I think yeah. he could be the level of a monarch or a herald and that he's he might be being suppressed he might be the one who instituted the suppression but i think yeah he's a watcher like he's there for a reason and he knows what's underneath in the labyrinth i feel like he's definitely in on it i think i think he's there you know he's obviously there on purpose i think he's incredibly powerful and i think that the scripts that are there to protect him and keep him safe inside i don't think they really are as effective as everyone thinks they would be if he wanted to get out, I think he could. So I hope we see him again. I just, I always remember him at the end of this book when we started going back to Sacred Valley. And I thought, I wonder if he's going to start playing a bigger role because 
even yeah. in the beginning, he saw Lyndon's potential, I think, and knew You'll what would happen. I think so. I, I feel like he's a warden, if anything. Like, he's he is guarding this, or something like that. That's what I feel like. Because he's in a yeah. huge tower, and everybody follows the dude's path. That's basically this, this guy's path. And I feel like he's like the warden. Okay. Sounds good to me. Well, and, and, and I guess to your guys' point, Lyndon makes a, makes a point of mentioning how uh, everybody else's illusions are kind of pathetic compared to uh, what they can do in the Sacred Valley. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Just thought I'd point that out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to be everything for us today, unless um, either of you guys had anything else you wanted to bring up. I do got one or two things I do want to say. Some uh, very funny scenes is I really like when Lyndon... All right, first scene, he's with the cannon, okay? He pulls out a cannon from his soul space, shoots, I believe Kiro is he's facing at the time, he shoots Kiro. <laughs> he's got like six different bindings on this cannon, just blowing up all at once. He's like, cool. He pulls out a second cannon because he's like, that's like the equivalent of, oh, I can't change my magazine. Nope. Toss the gun out and bring out another gun because I didn't feel like just changing the mag. <laughs> and then he just blows up again. Awesome. Super fun. And then the last thing I want is just when he's looting Dodgy's body, when he's unable to fight back, blocked by Mercy's arrows and kind of stuck. He's like, oh, I'm just going to take this armor you're wearing because I kind of want it. And you're just snarling at me saying you're going to kill me. And he takes that. He's got chipmunk cheeks. He's looting this palace. He's just doing everything crazy. He's Hoarder Linden. I love when we get to see Hoarder Linden. Um, the, the only last point I want to make um, is... I would encourage anybody who likes this series to take a travel back in time and find the books written by R.A. Salvatore, R.A. Salvatore in the Dritz de Orton series. Um, the first book's The Halfling's Gem. That's the first chronolo- That's the first book that was published. But really, you can start at the beginning of Dritz's life and kind of follow his journey. Um, he's a Dark Elf Ranger in the Forgotten Realms. As you know, Dark Elves are despised in that world. Um, and it kind of follows his journey, and it's very progression slash lit RPG ish. It was before that was a thing, but I think anybody who likes this type of stuff would really, really, really enjoy the journey of just a word. Oh, I I agree with that. I think that is a very true thing. So, all right, well, that is going to wrap up our discussion today of Underlord. Thanks again, Solution and Eridandis, for joining me. Thanks to the Legendarium for letting us kind of spin off their name and read the books that they can't or won't get to. Thanks to Harvin Frey for starting us, and we'll see you guys in the next one.